0: i'm lizzie mathis and you're listening to the cool mom code podcast where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town this week we have cameron rogers on the mic as our guest and let me tell you cameron isn't just a mental health advocate she's the powerhouse founder and host of the freckled foodie and friends podcast We recorded this right before Cameron was about to give birth to her second son. So get ready for a conversation overflowing with wisdom, authenticity, and a whole lot of heart. Cameron's dropping gems you don't want to miss. Cameron Rogers is in the building. Ladies and gentlemen, this is take two. Technically, take three (laughs) if you really want to get like... Jiggy with it, because take one was me and you first meeting on the Freckle Foodie podcast, which is Cameron's podcast is absolutely amazing. So easy to talk to such a good listen. Um, I was able to do it during my press tour with Honest Renovations. And I was so excited because Cameron made it just a nice, comfortable, engaging, interesting conversation. And so I was so excited to have her, of course, on my podcast. So welcome to the Cool Mom Code podcast, Cameron. When we were talking last, Cameron is literally at her due date almost. She is right there. She's about to have another baby. This is going to be her second baby. And Cameron... I know that there are a lot of things going on in that brain of yours, so many things, but the rest of us, the world, gets anxious about the most random things, like if we have to speak in front of a, you know, a crowd or if we go on live TV. And these are things that you don't get anxious about. You get anxious about what, Cameron?
1: Uh, literally any given Tuesday. Um <laughs> It's so interesting. I, I, I've i been speaking about this a lot on my platform recently because it's been kind of eye-opening where I've had these moments. Like I was on live TV recently and I found out about it. It was Saturday night. I was at my cousin's wedding in Maine. I got a text from my PR team like, hey, we booked you th- this Monday morning, 10 a.m. Does that work? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, what do I need to prep kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we need some like a recipe and it has to be prepped before and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I have a five hour drive home from Maine tomorrow. I don't know when I'm going to think about any of this. I'll somehow figure it out and Mm -hmm. we'll make it work. And I text my little sister because this is something that's come up a few times and she is not anxious at all. But like most people will have anxiety around public speaking or presenting or those types of things that typically trigger people. And at this same wedding, we're all ha- having lunch on Friday. And my mom's like, so who's speaking tonight at the welcome party? And I was like, oh gosh, I am. And I was supposed to write my speech in the car, but our car like decided to shut down on the middle of the highway on the drive out there. That's another story. So I clearly didn't oh get around to it. And I'm like, shoot, I need to prep something, but I'll figure it out. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll talk like kind of off the cuff. you wing like, it. What are you talking about? Like, I have so much anxiety for you. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll just kind of, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll just speak. And that's how I felt also about this live show where I text her that morning. And I'm like, I'm going on live TV in 10 minutes. I have no idea how long the segment is. No idea what the questions are. Like nothing prepped really. And I'm somehow not anxious. Does that blow your mind? And she's like, no, I cannot (laughs) fathom. And I think what it is based on conversing with people in my community and my therapist Uh is that in these instances, whether it's a guest on your show or when I'm hosting my podcast, interviewing people who I admire so much or going on live TV or speaking in front of a crowd, whatever, that's where I feel myself. And Mm -hmm. I don't get anxiety when I'm able to show up in my truest form of myself. I get anxiety I mean, about a lot of things, but like specifically if there are times where I feel pressure to be someone I'm not, or Mm. there's some standard I feel I have to meet, or I'm trying to, I feel as if I have to mold into someone else's beliefs of what I should be. And that I think causes me anxiety sometimes. Where, where does the anxiety come in
0: with like the small things though? Where does the anxiety come oh. in with like with like the you know, the middle of the night waking up thinking about the baby that hasn't come yet and how are yeah. you gonna manage both oh, on the way the to school? Unknown.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's okay. like the fear of the unknown, but for some reason I don't have a fear of the unknown when it comes to me. Speaking or showing up, like I just have confidence in, I guess my own brain to work, but for some reason, don't have the same confidence <laughs> in the like timing of things that I can't yeah. control. For me, time is a big trigger. Control is not the trigger; it's time. It. I think it's a combo. It, it, but it's a it's a specific avenue of control. It's like, for instance, this birth. Like I don't control when I'm delivering. Right. Outside of the fact, if I schedule an induction, which I'm going to if I hit a certain point or if I was having a C-section, but it's the like, when is it going to happen? That kind of waiting time game, that gives me anxiety. So do you feel like anxiety is
0: something you've always kind of had in the background or do you feel like working in pressure cookers like Wall Street, where you started your first career, that that had anything to
1: do with the formation of a new anxiety? I think I always had anxiety based on memories of my childhood. And anxiety is something that heavily runs in the females in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we have my mom's one of three girls and of the nine grandchildren, eight of us are girls and we're constantly talking. Yeah. And collectively- Mental health is something that we struggle with. So, and then you're also one of three girls. Yeah, I'm one of three girls. Yeah. So, for me, I remember having moments where I would feel really anxious to the point of feeling like nauseous, but not having the knowledge or vocabulary to figure out what those feelings were because I was young and I was always a high performing anxious person. So I was always the kid that like in sports, I ended up being a quote unquote leader or voted captain or those types of things because I was reliable. Mm -hmm. And all of the actions I was doing, I was getting accolades for and rewarded. But internally, there was a lot of anxiety driving that behavior. And then once I was getting all of these accolades and rewards, I was like, well, I have to stay like this. Mm. Otherwise, I would let people down. It was the people-pleasing type right. A perfectionist. And it wasn't until, I, re- I remember vividly in college, actually, I, I didn't do incredibly well academically for majority of my life, I had learning disabilities and I just struggled and I was stretched very thin with sports. Mm-hmm. And I remember in college, I don't know what changed, but my first semester, I decided I was going to take it really seriously. And I ended up getting a 3.9 that first semester. And instead of feeling proud of myself, my first thought was I can never get below this now. I have to graduate wow. with a three mm-hmm. nine, which is Absurd, but immediately fear and panic set in of like, I can never get anything below an A minus now. And in that four pressure years of college. Does and that, that pressure,
0: pressure, yeah, does that pressure come from within or did it come from like family or
1: coaching both. or, yeah, I yeah. think both. Like, you know, my mom, we have a very open relationship and we talk a lot about this. Like, she, there was definitely pressure growing up to succeed and to do well and to perform. Um, right. But I also think it was within, it's not all on them. I am a very competitive person. I don't resonate with that description anymore, but growing up and my early adulthood was hyper-competitive with the outside world, but also very intensely with myself. And so when I started on Wall Street right out of school, I was able to succeed, I think, because it was, so parallel to the sports world where it was competitive, team oriented, fast paced, intense, like quick decisions, all of those things. However, it turned the dial up on some of my characteristics that like I now don't resonate with at all because I don't think they were good for me when it's Mm -hmm. hyper competitiveness, intensity, this feeling like everything has to be done instantaneously. And it's, fight or flight. Right. Right.
0: And so you talk openly about therapy, like you're mm-hmm. very open about like, oh, Hey, I went therapy. to therapy. I go to therapy oh, and yeah. in my, in my therapy session, they said that we've talked a lot about even on your podcast, you went right into black culture and what are some of the things mm-hmm. that you like what I thought about certain topics and things like that because of my upbringing and all that. And so in the black culture, therapy, isn't necessarily something that we're raised like, Oh my goodness, y'all let's go to therapy. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of something like, okay, you have to be strong, you know, you you, like, don't cry about it. You can get past it. You got this kind of Mm -hmm. uh, mentality. Where was therapy introduced to you? Was it like in your childhood or was it in adulthood that you were like, oh, this is
1: something that I think I might want to engage. In my childhood, I always Mm -hmm. knew my mom was in therapy. Like it was an open discussion. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why I have literally not an ounce of shame around any of the well, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and I was talking to my friend about this recently because it's, I'll go back into my upbringing, but she was considering going on medication, and I've been very open about my journey on antidepressants for the past—I want to say five years—I've been on them mm-hmm. and have switched medications, stayed on during pregnancy, increased dosages through postpartum, etc. And I have very openly shared that with my community because. Again, I feel no shame over it. And I'm like, if I can help someone out there, why wouldn't
0: I? Yeah, absolutely. And she was
1: asking me why, because she's struggling with it. And yes, I think part of it is I was raised where we weren't having like sit down conversations about our mental health necessarily, but I did know that my mom was in therapy. Like, I don't remember why I knew that, but I know her name. So like, I know she was. Mm-hmm. And- I remember when I graduated college and was struggling with anxiety and like bouts of depression, wanting to see a therapist and knowing that it would help, but being like, I simply don't have time because in the world of wall street, you think your time is of the essence and there's no time for anything else. And in Mm -hmm. reality, I was working intense hours in an office that did not like lend itself to be like, hey, can I put an hour on the calendar so I can go into an office and take therapy? Like that would yeah. never be allowed. Excuse me. I just um, have one appointment I need to make just really quickly. Yeah, I'll like, be right back. They'd be like, Excuse, what? Like <laughs> I could barely go pee sometimes when I had to I felt like I was going to piss myself. Right. Um and so I remember when I quit, that was one thing I was very adamant about of being like, I'm going to find a therapist. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started with my therapist who I've now been with for five years and I love And I guess the reason I am so open about it is, again, I get so many messages of people and this is why maybe we'll get into this, but my content shifted from food focus to more mental health, lifestyle, parenting, Mm -hmm. because the messages I receive from people who are part of my FF family and who maybe sought out a therapist or had a conversation with their partner about their mental health or felt comfortable talking to their therapist or psychiatrist about medication because I shared my journey, like that means the world to me. right? And that is like why I do what I do. And that meant so much more to me personally than someone saying, oh, I made your recipe and I loved it. Right. Like that just really hits me where I really feel it matters deep in my core. And I also just think like if, if we broke our leg and had to get on crutches, there's no shame in that. Some of us just simply need more help. And that's just the bottom line.
0: You know, it's interesting because you say, you know, you went literally from pressure cooker, wall street to food, to mental health and wellness. And Mm -hmm. The Wall Street is a little out. It's over here. It really is. Yeah. But the food and then mental health and wellness, it's almost like whatever you experienced on Wall Street, you took literally a left and you were like, hold up, there's something that I'm missing and I need to focus on me. Is that what the shift was? Or how do you
1: jump from that to that to that? It's interesting. I do think there's a pipeline. And I was having this conversation with my right hand who was in finance as well Mm -hmm. first. Um, I do think there is a shift from the finance world to the food, specifically CPG space. Right. Where there's a little bit of that like wildness in our brain to think we can do anything Mm -hmm. and maybe some entrepreneurial spirit and the ability to just be like, put my head down and freaking grind. Right. And When I was on Wall Street, I was really dealing with my own digestive health issues, and that led to dealing with a a bunch of different doctors and elimination diets, and that's when I started honestly, like, interested in cooking. I grew up loving food, but we did not have one of those families that, like, had family dinners and sat around, and, like, I helped my mom make her, like, long family recipes. We ate spaghetti in, like, the back of my mom's Suburban in between practices. Like, that was our night. Right. And... I feel like when I started the account, it was a creative outlet for me because it was this fun thing that I was personally interested in. It had nothing to do with work. My face was never on it. It was completely separate. And it was different than the way my brain was functioning in terms of like numbers and intensity in my job. Mm -hmm. So it did provide this outlet. However, I was so wrapped up in my personal job of like, My title was so intertwined with my ego. I loved telling people that I worked there. I felt like I gained their respect. Yeah. The financial handcuffs, the golden handcuffs of the finance world. It's really hard to walk away from a salary like that, especially Mm -hmm. to a salary that like you don't even know what it's going to be. Sure. and look, there are serious perks to the corporate world. Yes. That I miss. Mm-hmm. Especially right now. I'm about to give birth. I would do anything for JP Morgan's maternity leave. Yeah, for are real. You <laughs> Paid maternity leave. Yes, exactly. Like, I would do anything. I'm about to just go dark for two and a half months of the most lucrative times of our business. Yes. Um and not make any money. Yeah. So But you set yourself up. Don't say that because you're actually, you actually are
0: extremely well-versed and smart and business oriented. And this is something I do want to share with the viewers because, you know, I think that always is a fear, especially when you're, regardless of what number child it is, but especially number one, you know, uh, this is something that I went through with number one, but especially number two, whatever, right? You have these feelings of like, how do I, if I don't have a corporate job and it's not maternity leave or my husband's, Husband isn't getting paternity leave. How do I survive? And you've been very smart to set yourself up. You've literally pre-recorded things. You have things lined up mm-hmm. so your audience will not feel a lack from you. You have just actually. No. You just worked super hard and super drive in the time beforehand. My own ass. Correct. Yes.
1: To set it up. Um. Absolutely, and that's something. I actually have an episode that I just recorded today on this coming out because that's something I feel very passionately about. Right. When we talk about my first postpartum experience, I was kind of like living in la-la land, not realizing how much a child takes, how much work and time and effort. And I remember saying to my friend, like, well, I'll just like get stuff done when they nap, you know? I mean, she's like, um... Okay, I'm gonna let you figure that out when you experience it because that's not happening. And- Isn't that the biggest
0: misconception, though? That's what we think yes. as new moms. And no one tells you that, like, are you kidding? You're gonna be exhausted. Exha- you're, not gonna exhausted. Even, you're not gonna even exhausted. You're not gonna even want to look at your feet. I mean, you're gonna be so freaking tired. The last thing you're gonna want to do is pull out a computer or even look on your phone. It's mm-hmm. gonna, it's gonna just drain you. No one tells you that.
1: Yeah, and I just I was naive and I didn't necessarily set myself up for success. And my husband only had two weeks of paternity leave, which is a sick joke. And (laughs) so after that, it was like me, me and the baby. And I actually kind of, I won't say thrived, but I did well in those like very newborn days where it was like hunkered us, like, you know, The nights, I enjoyed being the one in the middle of the night with my husband. Like, we were feeding him. We were doing all the things. It was just the three of us in our apartment. What was confusing was, A, the timing. Like, we don't talk enough about how confusing COVID was for first-time moms in postpartum. There was an underlying fear with everything. Right. Um And it was also the summer that everyone was starting to get vaccinated for the first time. So we really thought COVID was over. And so New York was like doing this massive swing back to like, we're open, let's party, everyone have fun. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, I'm stuck in this apartment, breastfeeding all hours of the goddamn day and night, and don't even know how to speak to people anymore. (laughs) And there was such an identity crisis that I experienced massively. And my postpartum depression hit me like months four through six. Yeah, let's because talk about I think that. that was,
0: let's talk about yeah. that postpartum depression, because that's also something you've been very vocal about. And I think that it's also something that, like I said, a lot of women don't talk about. How did you know you had mm-hmm. postpartum depression?
1: Well, I always thought what we see or what I've heard is if the baby is like put on your chest and you don't feel connected and you're sad, that's postpartum depression. Mm. And that is the case for some people, but that was not my case. I was very active leading into my delivery, speaking with my psychiatrist and my therapist and bringing my husband into the conversations of like, these are signs to look out for. Let's be aware of this, whatever. I felt like I was obviously overwhelmed. There were a lot of hormones, a lot of tears, but it felt very just standard postpartum in the beginning. Then when I was trying to almost enter back into the world, that's where I suddenly was like, I am not myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember vividly there being this night, we were at my parents' beach house, which is my happy place. It always has been. And we had put our son down for the night and everyone was like hanging out in the backyard, drinking, playing games, just talking, socializing. My family, my siblings and their significant others. And I just kind of like snuck away and went up into a hangout room upstairs and just sat in the dark in silence and was crying. And my husband came in and was like, hey, what's going on here? And I'm like, "I, I, I don't know who I am. I, I cannot explain the feelings I'm having, but I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to do anything. I want to sit here. I want silence. I just feel like a shell of myself. Nothing is making me happy. Mm-hmm. And I feel so disconnected from my life. I remember seeing people and just not knowing how to speak to them and feeling really confused of who am i what did i do mm-hmm. you know i love my child with every fiber of my being and it was never him no right. emotion was ever towards him it was more like but what have i done and right. what is my life and who the hell am i so that was when i started i mean i was with my therapist and my psychiatrist throughout this entire experience but mm-hmm. we increased dosage on my medication i actually pulled back I had gone back to work because I never really took off. I pulled back and was like, I need to focus on me. This is not sustainable, whatever I'm doing right now. And took some time off to really just figure it out as best as I could. And it's also when I started weaning, because I think that breastfeeding just was not helping me mentally. Mm. Um, And that made a huge shift for me. And also just like... For me, it became finding these really small things that I could find joy in. Yeah, And whether that was like, I mean, I used to literally put on noise-canceling headphones and I had a playlist. It's called Waking Shake. And I would just go ham in our apartment at like six in the morning by myself in the dark, like a freaking loony, just oh, shaking wow. my body, dancing, movement. Like, movement and just trying to find joy in really small things. And eventually I found myself again, but I think it takes, so many of us, it takes so much time. You know, I remember at month three being like, oh, okay, I'm done with postpartum. The fourth trimester is over. Let's go, everyone, like get back in it. I'm like, wait, not at all. This (laughs) this lasts a long time. Did you feel like it took your
0: village to, I'll say it like from my experience, I don't think that I had postpartum the same way, right? Like, I don't feel like Mm -hmm. I felt like moments of depression or anything like that. But I will say that it took me a really long time to get back into my groove. It took me a long time to feel good again in my body and who I am. And it actually, literally, I am not joking, Cameron, I went straight hippie on you. Like, I went straight green girl. I went straight, like, I just, I grew out everything. I went, like, it was just so, I I focused so much in on my, my newborn that I lost a lot of who I was. And so it took Mm -hmm. for me, my girlfriends being like, yo, what's going on here? (laughs) Like, are you going to shave or are you going to like, just to kind of get back, snap me back into me. So for you, I know it's a different situation, but did it take a lot of your village, like
1: stepping into? It took, I mean, my husband was very like, hey, this, there's something going on. This isn't you that I'm used to. And like, I want to help you. I'm also just very self-aware with my emotions where mm-hmm. it was a lot of me just being like, I don't want to live like this. Right. Like, I don't want to wake up and count the hours until I can go to this bed right? and feel this like instant dread when my eyes open. And it, it, I was just a shell of myself, I right. think is the bottom line. Some of my friends... They were constantly checking in. So I think there was like that awareness, but I think because I was so aware of it and trying to make steps, they didn't need to be like, Hey, something's happening. Cause I was aware something was happening. I just didn't know how the hell to get out of it. But when you say takes time to find yourself, like I remember vividly around month nine feeling like, okay, I think I think we're turning a corner. Nice. I think like there's a person here that I recognize again. And you know there's all this talk of like going back to yourself. You never mm-hmm. go back to yourself. Yeah, I really don't a, believe that.
0: Yeah. I think this whole idea of like even when I just said the the comment I said when you said your husband this doesn't seem like you. I said mm-hmm. normal. And I almost wanted to catch myself because I don't think there is a normal in the in this situation there's a new normal. There's a new there's a new you, right? You become and like, a new person. You there's a new you. And I think with every shift in life though, whether it be children, whether it be the loss of someone, through mm-hmm. birth and death, there becomes new you's and totally. I think that's
1: interesting that that you say that. Well, I was just going to say, and yes, there's obviously like the physical aspects, Like, sure, things right. are going to change in your body that are well, just of never going to go back. Of course, but I also think, like, girl, mentally, we know, we know, yeah, Cameron, me, and you know, have okay. you seen my boobs? Exactly, um, but mentally, like, you change in a way that I felt personally, which is what I keep relying on as I go into this second. Experience coming up. Mm -hmm. Like, I found a version of myself after having a child that I feel was the strongest, most confident, most true to herself, happiest version I've ever had. Right.
0: If you're loving
1: this content, our
0: podcasts, with all of our amazing guests, we love sharing their stories. It really is such a joy for us. Then you're going to love thecoolmom.co. Make sure to head over there. It is everything that you can think of lifestyle. So we have fashion, food. We have amazing interviews with a lot of other cool moms as well. So check out all of our Cool Mom Co. features, shop our merch, do all the things. Check out thecoolmom.co. We'll be right back to Cameron's episode in just a second. This episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. After a full day of work, I don't know if it's just me or if it's you two, I always just am super tired. Literally the worst thing between me and Issa, our conversations in the evening, is who and what are we going to have for dinner? Who's going to make the decision of what is for dinner? And so after a full day of work, I still feel like there's still so much to do. You still have to do homework. You still have to get the kids ready for bed. There's still emails and things on the computer that I haven't even touched yet. So my to-do list is endlessly long. Some days it feels like eating a wholesome, nutritious dinner is next to impossible because it feels like it's too hard to prep everything, get it on a plate, get it situated, and even just think of what to make. Well, hello, with HelloFresh, you can turn those busy weeknights into memorable mealtimes with delicious and practical options. Listen, these are all designed to save you time. And that's what I love. Listen, time is a commodity for me. I have three kids, a whole husband, A whole career, plus obviously your friends and all these things, you still want to connect with the people that you love. And so for me, time is. Everything. So if you can save me time, then you are on my side. And with the 15 minute meals, that's exactly what it does. And so I really love HelloFresh for that. And make hosting this holiday season a joy rather than a hassle with the help of HelloFresh Market. So from crowd-pleasing charcuterie boards, which you know I love, a good charcuterie board to host with, to photo-worthy desserts, anything sweet treat is up my alley. It's easy to add these party pleasers to your weekly order and it just saves you once again so much time. All you have to do is go in, in, choose from their endless amount of recipes, appetizers. And it's actually a really great hack for the holiday season. So when you have people coming over, all you gotta do is grab that charcuterie board. Everything's already laid out for you. It just makes all the time easier. Your prep time is so much faster. HelloFresh is really great to do with kids. I always love including them because for me, I like getting them in the kitchen, letting them learn about food, letting them learn about what they're eating. And sometimes when they feel like they're taking an active, role and what they're eating and they're prepping then they enjoy it a little bit more all you got to do if you want to get in on this action is go to hellofresh.com slash cool mom code free and use code cool mom free for a free breakfast for life yeah i said it life one breakfast item per box while subscription is active that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash cool mom free with code cool mom free
1: and so I didn't want to go back to the pre-baby me because I was like, I didn't have the same purpose. I didn't have the same goals in life. I didn't have the same things keeping me going. And so you really do kind of meet this new version of yourself. And it's hard to navigate. It's hard to navigate,
0: you know, and I love the fact that you said that. There's this new, stronger, more like vibrant focused version of you, right? But for me, it took two years to get to her. Like, so I loved being a, a long time. Yeah, like I loved being a mom. I loved everything about it. But then where the intersection of me and the new mom met, it was like two years. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I love the new me too. Would never go back to the old me. I love yeah. the new me. I literally, you can give me anything. I will multitask the shit out of something right now. Oh my God. I will walk into any room with confidence. I live in my skin like you've never believed. I, you know, there's so many things that motherhood was were able to like step my game up. And you do become like this stronger version of yourself. But it took me a while to get to that woman. And I think that's the process that we lose sometimes when totally. When, when women are talking about motherhood, they're like, oh yeah, it becomes you. But there's a whole string that's different for each woman in between. Okay. But going into, yes. going into your second baby now, right? This is baby number two. Postpartum depression is something that you've dealt with. Is there something that, is there pre-steps you're taking now to try and help prevent where you were before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think no matter how many steps you take, like things can still happen. Again, mm-hmm. I have to like accept the control aspect of things. It's so true. Um, obviously I have my professional team who I have continuously mm-hmm. throughout my pregnancy, postpartum, et cetera, and will be in constant contact. I also think my friends and family are well-versed now in like what kind of impacted me the first time. For me, I think I'm looking back on that experience and I've been trying to unpack what triggered a lot of it for me so that I can hopefully adjust. And the first one being setting aside the time. You know, we talked about maternity leave in this industry. If you're a creator or your own boss, like that's not any guarantee whatsoever. So I feel very fortunate that. I am in a place where my business did very well this year where I can take off two months from income mm-hmm. and you know, say no to brand partnership opportunities and really like stick true to that. And my mm-hmm. management team is supportive of, of that decision. And when it comes to my podcast, another thing is I've just been busting my ass the past three months so that content will still be released because I'm contractually obligated and I want to continue to release episodes, but I'm also like, I need that time for right. myself because I know me and I cannot try to juggle those things. I like to be a hyper involved mother mm-hmm. and for me that's the priority in this period of my life. Right. So prioritizing that, I also will say that like sleep deeply impacts our mental health as we know. Oh, so yeah. how many hours of I, sleep
0: how many hours of sleep do you get? Do I
1: get a night? Yeah. I'm like pretty standard 10 p.m. to 5.45 in the morning. So what's that? What's, it's like seven almost hours. Eight. Okay, almost eight. Okay, nice. Yeah, nine? Nice. Yeah. No, like I'm we ready. are sleep people. Like sleep is so important to my husband and I. So we are like in bed around nine-ish. We read, fall asleep oh at 10. We both get up like right before sex. Um I'm so envious, by the way. I am so <laughs> envious
0: of you. That's amazing. You're a night out, aren't you? Oh God, I don't know why. I really try not to I be. Guess. I really but try But you really have hard. to lean into whatever you are. No, you like, don't. Like I'm a believer No, in that. you don't. I'm not. <laughs> I am not a believer in that at all, Cameron. I actually highly disagree. Do not lean into who you are. If you know that it is not good for you. If you're a sugarhead, do not eat all the sugar. You're going to get no, diabetes. No, but like I'm saying, no, you Cameron. don't have to wake up at the ass crack of dawn. Yes, if you it's do. For- no, <laughs> it's so hard for me. And I am trying every day. I go to bed and be like, I can do better. Lizzie, you
1: can do better. And I wake okay, up. Well, and- I have a whole sleep routine so I can send you everything. No, it's, like, I, w- we are anal. It's the like, going to bed that's hard. Our phone is out of my hands by 8 30. Done. Don't even come near me, phone or computer. Yes. Also, we don't have a TV in our bedroom.
0: Yes. We are we red light TV. in
1: our bedroom at nine. I, what is hate red light? Keep my mouth. What's red light? Just red stop. light is. <laughs> You're like, excuse me. um It's a form of light that, like, I don't know the science. There is data, but like, it's not as messing with your REM cycle and keeping you awake as like typical overhead lights. So our bedside lights have red right. light bulbs in them. So our overhead lights go off when we enter the bedroom. Okay. We turn on the red lights. We tape our mouths. Well, no, you don't. Think it's crazy. Oh my god! Come out. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for like a year. Yes. Oh, yeah. And no, so, Lizzie, I'm serious. Okay, I, wait a I mean, minute. Stop. I stop. don't fuck around with Cameron. my camera.
0: Okay, stop. Stop. Because I just got a visual. Okay. Do you tape your husband's and he tapes yours, or y'all just tape? Oh, no. Okay, I just did I tape something. my
1: own. Oh, this is some kinky thing. It's not like we're having foreplay. This does it is help like you? The, does it the help conversation you just breathe? Is over. Do not talk to me. We are taping our mouths. Like, are biggest, you serious? Like, is that why, or is it just breathing? No. No. No, it's not to shut us up. Oh, I'm like the last step before we go to sleep. So like there's no communicating afterwards. It's not like a it's not like a hot thing. It's literally this like blue mouth tape. It's an X. There's one right now that's all over Instagram that's just like a black piece, but it's to encourage nose breathing, which helps okay. with your sleep. Oh so, okay. okay. Anyway, I and I have my night guard because I have TMJ. Okay. I do too And I have my sound machine. So I am like okay there's so no first, fucking around here.
0: So just so let's just announce this right now. <laughs> Everybody in a couple of weeks Cameron is going to send us all over her Night- nighttime tips. We're going to feature it all over the Cool Mom Co so you can go there and find all of Cameron's nighttime tips because I but the mouth tape kind of like that we're, That I got to work up to that. Well, you don't have to start there. I'm going to work up to that one. But, but I, the, the biggest thing light, for me is reading.
1: So I read. Ah,
0: uh, that's good. Okay. Okay, I like, reading red light every no night. Phones. Reading before I go to bed. Reading red light, no phones. Tape the mouth. Sound machine
1: and sound machine. With the sound machine, the second part of it is that it's also my alarm because for me, my mornings are everything. Like mm-hmm. I get up an hour plus before our child because oh, nice. I need that time to myself. And it's what do you like, do? What do you do during that time? Well, now it's a little different because I'm pregnant. But before pregnancy, I would wake up. This this all stands. I wake up, I meditate for twenty minutes. I have a big glass of water, like take my supplements, etc. Mm-hmm. Then I journal with a cup of coffee. Now, pre pregnancy, I would work out. I okay. just don't have the energy right now, girl. I so hear you. I sit on the couch. I read a little bit more. I cuddle with my dog. Oh. I just sit there, quite honestly, and enjoy the silence. What do you and- have? You have what do they call it? You have a soft morning. Yeah, I'm in my soft girl era. Yeah. But I will say, someone said to me, like, you're starting your day on offense rather than defense. And truer words have never been spoken. Oh. Because when I wake up with my child mm-hmm. and, like, immediately I'm on response mode, I'm answering 10,000 whys, I'm explaining every action of everything that's happening in our house. I'm drained by 8 a.m. I love and that. So, this allows me to have my time. So, my sound machine, Because I have anxiety and can easily like get high cortisol, just like fight or flight. The idea of an alarm on my phone waking me up makes me want to like, like the dinging of a phone makes me want to lose my mind. So my sound machine gently lights up five minutes before sound starts and then it's birds chirping. So like, honestly, I'm kind of already awake before the birds even start chirping because there's been a general gradual light increase so
0: we need the sound machine name of the I got sound you. machine I got it all we need all the, the hatch things.
1: restore plus i think oh my god like the newest hatch okay because i use the hatch for the kids oh that's what everyone says they're like oh i didn't know you use it for adults i have one in literally no i'm not kidding we have one in our son's room we have one in the nursery we have one in our guest room because i'm always like if a guest comes to sleeper i want them to have a sound machine we have one in oh our bedroom god. And then I have one that I bring with me if I ever go to a hotel or anywhere Oh, else. my God. Low key, dude.
0: I think I gave all my hatches away. And now I'm so mad because I could have had <laughs> get this whole right experience. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I love the hatch. We have the app and everything. And then I realized, yeah. I was like, you know what? My kids are a little older. I'm going to like remove the hatches because I didn't want them to. No, I didn't want the them to be so ever. dependent upon them. So we, I get that. We removed it because when we travel, I was like, no, y'all need to learn how to
1: just sleep when we sleep. Well, now I'm dependent on it. But now
0: I want to be dependent on the Hatch. Hatch, I want to be dependent on you.
1: Okay. Wait, but I also meant to say really quickly, sorry, the other things I'm preparing for, because this is where I was going and I don't want to forget it in terms of postpartum. When it comes to sleep, we're hiring a service this time around to help us overnight Three nights a week with the baby, so that with the baby, and I plan on combo feeding from the beginning. Okay, so that those nights we can do formula overnight, and Mm -hmm. I can like do a quick pump if I need to during the feed times, but really trying to prioritize the sleep with those two things. So that's the other way I'm greatly trying to benefit my mental health
0: what's what's really cool about that too is from what I understand because I never did that but I you know that's something that would have been awesome because with multiple kids if you're able to get that sleep
1: then you're able to wake up with the older kid too that next morning my husband was very adamant about this because he's like your biggest fear which it is is that I'm going to miss out on time with our toddler and that he's right. going to miss me and then I'm going to be less involved. And the best way for me to be more involved with him as well mm-hmm. is to get more sleep. So right. that is right. something we're doing. Nice. But
0: okay. Squishy girl. Era, okay. Come squishy.
1: On. <laughs> I just can't fucking wait. Okay. I always thought that I was someone that like was destined to be pregnant. I mm-hmm. remember being like my body craves it. I can't wait to be pregnant. It's going to be the best nine wow. months of my life. Wrong. I was because <laughs> I just like physically, I don't have horrific symptoms. Like, yeah, I have pregnancy symptoms, but like, mm-hmm. I'm, it's a healthy pregnancy both pregnancies. Yeah, of course. I don't like, I have to own the fact that like my body doesn't expand that much. It's not that drastic for me. Body image wise, I don't struggle. I'm just kind of like, wow, this is different. But like it is what it is. Right. Mentally, it messes with me. Mm. And quite honestly, I just, the hardness at the end, it, it. I just miss like being able to do things. I miss yeah. being able to chase my toddler around. I miss being able to climb upstairs. Bend and over. And feel <laughs> like bending over. I cannot fucking wait to bend over.
0: That was my and thing. I was like, I just want to bend over. I can't wait to hug my
1: husband. Yeah. I cannot wait to hug my husband. I hate When I go to hug him, that there's this like watermelon blocking us. Like, I can't really get in there. Yeah. I cannot wait to be able to sleep. And let me tell you, the idea of putting on a pair of high waisted jeans keeps me going. And wow. I remember, I'm a, okay. So here's the other thing I'm a a a jean junkie. You're a jean junkie. I'm a jeans girl. I'm a pants girl. So pregnancy messes with me not body image wise, but confidence wise, because mm-hmm. I can't figure out clothing that I feel my myself in or right. confident. You know, dresses, yes, they're easy, but that's not who I am at my core. Right. So when I go to get dressed for something, I just miss the ease of feeling confident and feeling like myself. And it's not that I think I look bad physically, I just miss myself and what I'm used to. You know what's so, so funny? I I'm a jeans wait. girl too. I'm I'm like not even to catch yeah. you off, but I'm, I have
0: to say this point. I'm a jeans girl too, and I'm also a pants girl. And so, wearing a lot of dresses, I'll do it. But one thing I hated was that it's a contradictory. I'm literally so pregnant, and I can't shave my legs. But you're making oh. me wear dresses. I didn't
1: understand it. I was like, hold on. Me wait a minute. trying to shave my legs the other day was truly a comical experience. Seriously. I no even worse. I had a shoot, a maternity shoot, and I wanted to do like nude pictures. So I was like, uh-huh. okay, I'll try and clean up my bikini. Me in the, it was a sick joke. I'm like, this is a comedy special. For real. But anyway, I remember so vividly, like, Three weeks, two weeks out, maybe last time, uh-huh. I ordered a pair of like affordable, inexpensive, soft jeans in like three sizes bigger than I was, just so that I could put them on my body and put on a t-shirt, and I immediately was like, "Okay, that this is a good. step. There you go. We're, we're 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 turning a corner. We're we're gonna find ourselves." And I don't know. I just I can't wait for that moment. And the squishiness for me is. It just makes me so excited to be squishy. I don't know what it is. I think it's the ability to like feel a bit more like myself and the freedom to do certain things I miss, to be able to carry and hold my older child and, and this newborn and- Just to feel soft. So do you, so what is your, what is your idea of
0: um, snapping back or getting back at it? Like what, what is that to you? I mean, and it can mean many things. It can mean body. It can mean mentally. It can mean like, what is your idea of like,
1: oh, I'm back when you're back. What does that mean? Okay. Well, I thought you meant like, what's my take on snapback culture? Cause I'm like, it's so fucking insane, but that's insane. That's crazy.
0: Cause it, you know, when I feel back,
1: when do you feel back? I do. I actually like so vividly remember the moment at last time I did not feel back at all, but it was a sliver of like, there was, it was the first glimmer of hope and it was early, but I remember showering, washing my hair, putting on like an oversized graphic tee and these jeans that were like three sizes too big and being like, oh, wow. My body (laughs) is like, you know what it is? It's that your body is yours again. Yeah. And it's not, back to anything you knew, but right. it's no longer home to something else right. right and I think that represented a lot for me um but again, feeling like my a version of myself that I recognized like truly took a very, very long time. But I think the moment that I'll feel, They're always going to be ups and downs. They're always going to be highs and lows. They're going to be small, small things. And I'm big on like ride the waves. Everything is temporary. So when it's good, you better fucking celebrate that win. Yeah. So the small wins for me are moments where like, we maybe make it out of the house and it's not a shit show. (laughs) Like that. that's a huge win. Huge huge win. Me showering, washing my hair, putting on an outfit, like that will be a huge goddamn win. and. I honestly like the idea of just being able to sleep, and I know with newborns sleep is shit. But for me, newborn sleep is better than pregnancy sleep. Yeah, for and sure. Being able to like roll over in bed, yes. like those are the moments where I'm going to feel like okay. We're no char. Back
0: Look, life. there will be no Charlie horses. That's what I used to get. You used the to get these Charlie like cramps horses and Charlie horses. Time,
1: never had them the first time. Oh my god, I had I fucking mean, contractions two nights ago. No, and yeah, contractions or Braxton and hicks. They were not Braxton Hicks because they were in my back. They were rolling from my back to my stomach. So I called my doctor in the morning and I was like, hey, I had a few contractions last night. We're a little early. And they, this is just like so typical pregnancy though. They're like, okay, well, are you still experiencing them? And I said, no, it was just like two overnight and like an hour period. And then they asked, is the baby still moving actively? And I said, yes. And they were like, and you feel okay now? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay. So it's just kind of like pre-labor <laughs> yeah. stuff. I'm like, all right. So just pour for the course. Yeah, Here exactly. We go.
0: <laughs> they're like, okay, call us back when it's actually real. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the best part. All right. I want to get into a couple of hot topics with you. Um, mm-hmm. And these are just a couple of things that I've either seen on headlines or whatever, and I want to get your take on it. So it's funny because I know this is crazy. It's funny because one of the things you just said was your body being your own, right? Like, Mm -hmm. when is your body being your own? And when you feel that, then you'll know that you're back, right? So this lady, this is an interesting one, I'm telling you. Okay, so this lady, she, I'll tell you the story. This lady reports that she was feeling they were, they, her and her husband, she had just had a baby, She forgot her pump on a trip and she was getting really full, very full. And she had to release the milk because we all know if the milk builds up, you can get mastitis and all these things. So she had to release the milk. One of the ways that she chose to release the milk, her husband stepped in to help her. So she ended up breastfeeding her husband. And it happened one time. He liked it. She liked it and they continue to do it. So I think the, I think the, I think the headline was like, they ended They're like on their second year or something, or maybe, I don't know, something like that. Where um, did this breast, get published? Breastfeeding her husband. Honestly, I, I legit tell you, it was like in like the New York Post or something like that. Like I have to find it. And but like, like send it are to they you.
1: admitting this? Or are they? Yes, this coming? is
0: them. They, they're, she is their. This is their story. I'm not saying this, this is their story. Um, okay. And so she breastfeeds her husband. And now he says, I enjoy it. It's nothing kinky. It's just something we do. And it's a nurturing thing. It's a bonding thing. And he hasn't been sick in like years. And he's well, like, my skin is great. How do you feel, Cameron, about to have another baby? Breastfeeding <laughs> is about
1: to be your jam. How do you feel about this? Hot topic. Okay, I have a lot of opinions <laughs> and thoughts. <laughs> I will say no judgment, say, but how really, I, oh, I shared sure this on my platform when okay, it happened. Oh, you you I talked had, about this. Well, not this article, but oh. I had clogged ducts yes. and mastitis. Yeah. And I had mastitis on day five, I think, postpartum, which is like the cruelest joke you could ever experience. Mm-hmm. And I was getting it again and I could not get a clogged duct out. And my husband straight up had to milk me like a fucking cow. And but he, he was... Started- it out he nope that he did suck it out and spit it in the sink Yes, get we did out! get that far I was like dude I fucking need you here and he's like all right let's just get this done with of course he thought I wasn't gonna tell anyone and then I get on my stories and I'm like okay we got it out anywho there was literally nothing pleasing about that experience <laughs> I will say so that's where I think I'm lost on this because I almost would l- kind of get behind it more if it was like some kind of kink thing Kinky thing right the other th- stuff like the nurturing aspect of it, look everyone do your own thing whatever but that to me i don't know when i was breastfeeding like i didn't want I was so touched out by the end. Yeah. Like even my child, sure, my child, I could handle some, most of the time on my boob, but like anyone that like came near my boobs sexually, I'm like, these things are off limits. Off, same. They are, don't even come near them right now. They There's are a different purpose. Job. That's right. That's yeah. what I said too. Like, That's so that, interesting. Cameron, maybe
0: this is something that happens amongst couples more than we
1: think. I don't think so.
0: Well, what I said, the yeah, getting at the doctor. I'm saying, yes. but like what if I think like, that does happen. The but help I don't think is, it leads But the health to is the... the help is needed. And then what if
1: behind private doors it continues? It I, wasn't I, your I, thing. But what if it becomes a jam? I don't think so. I'm trying to think of who the celebrity was that said that they did this. Not the not extended period I was like a wow, ducked out. This is a niche. Um I can't remember who it was, but I will say I don't doubt that the guy's skin is clear and he's not like breath you, I was putting it everywhere. I was putting it on my pimples. I had a sty one time. I was putting it on a sty. Like well, they say literally, with
0: your kids, you know, that if they oh, have baby way he acne, had rashes, I put yeah. it on that all over yeah. it just spray it on their face and it's like Whoop. so i don't doubt that he's thriving i, I mean he's don't... thriving first of all you're <laughs> getting some yeah i don't even know what to say i mean you're getting like a, a, a something that's happening that most Not people for don't me. even I'll think of i mean he's living his best life clearly that his wife is down for this
1: and i just can't believe she has She's into it. Quite honestly, the wherewithal to like keep the supply up because two years is a long fucking time and I could not wait until those things
0: dried. That's a long time. I hope I'm not misquoting. It's like two years or six months. It's something like that. But when I first read it, I was like, that's a long time to be breastfeeding your husband. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I love my husband to death. This is my take on it. I love my husband to death. Love my husband to death. We've been together for so long. Love, love, love. But I do so much already. There's no way that I'm whipping out my no to, breast. No fucking way. No fucking way. No way. It's not happening on this end, just so we're clear. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all I got. This was enough. I mean, you got to drop the mic on that one for sure. <laughs> For sure, Cameron. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I know that you're about to literally go give birth any second now, and so the fact that I was able to talk to you before that process, I am just so honored. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And call me if you need me, girl. Because now you're oh, a I'll multiple, be sending you photos. Don't you, you worry. Know? Like I'm all in it. I feel like I'm a part of this whole journey now. So you are. Definitely. This is, this is me. why I love
1: podcasting because I just like recruit people. That's right. That I want to be friends with. And then I just like suck them in. Same. Because when I first met you, I was like, oh, well, I guess we're friends and she doesn't know it
0: yet. No, literally. I'm like, okay, great. Added another like, friend to my list. This is happening. So hopefully it's she's the down. Best. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Mwah. Big kisses. Thank big you hugs. so much. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you for tuning in, Cool Mom crew. I'm your host, Lizzie Mathis, and you've been listening to the Cool Mom Code Podcast with our amazing guest, Cameron Rogers. Make sure to listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Also, make sure you catch my episode on Cameron's podcast, The Freckled Foodie. See you soon.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.